you know. Hang in Dude, there, it that is. Smiley Kaufman for 61. Wow. I'm Smiley Kaufman, and this is The Smiley Show. What's up, y'all? I am fired up about today's episode. This is a guy I watched all year long and was so impressed with the improvement he made to become one of the best players in the world. He got hot at the end of the season, winning the last two FedEx Cup playoff events before rolling into that performance at the Ryder Cup, which merited MVP honors. I am, of course, referring to Victor Hovland. This is a great listen, but an even better watch. If you go to our YouTube page now by searching for at the Smiley Show, you could see Victor breaking down video of his short game improvement and reacting to the first thing I said into a microphone at the Ryder Cup. So let's not waste any more time. Here's Vic. <laughs> We are happy to be joined by Mr. Victor Hovland, winner of the Tour Championship, European Ryder Cup stalwart. And Victor, what is it like to have such a catchy tune? Like, have you found yourself since the Ryder Cup just humming that just every now and then? Because I am. <laughs> Not that one. I've uh, hummed the other ones because there's so many great chants. It's like... It's hard to keep track of all of them, but it's uh, it's it's pretty cool to hear, especially when we uh, when we played so well and it was uh, such an such an incredible week. So, uh, yeah, it was it's cool to hear those things. I mean, that that whole Ryder Cup was just an, a crazy experience. And I know you guys played so well. But uh, since then, what have we been up to? Have we had time to actually hit the reset button? And I know you were on a pretty, pretty long stretch of golf. Yeah, it's been a busy year um, and it seemed like. You know, every time I teed it up, it was some sort of a big tournament. Right. So every single week, there's a lot of pressure and you want to to play the best you can. Um, so I, I uh, went back home to Norway after the Ryder Cup. Didn't really touch a club that whole week. Good man. Good man. And then <laughs> I decided to uh, take a quick vacation with my mom to Malta. And uh, I just got back last night and I'm here for a couple more days and then I'll head back to the States. How was Malta? I've never been. Don't even couldn't even find it on a it map. Was, <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's a small island just off the coast of Sicily, another island. Uh so it's it's not that far from from Rome where we just were a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. But um I uh I've heard it's it's got just a lot of history. It's nice temperature this time of year and it's got a lot of, you know, old ancient temples oh, cool. that uh I watched from uh, the ancient apocalypse. It's a Netflix show that um, I, I was just fascinated by. And I've already checked out a couple of things that's that's in the show. And I just figured, hey, me and my mom can have a, a an enjoyable time on that island, enjoy the heat. And we can also check out some some cool things. So uh, yeah, it was a fun couple of days. Well, this wasn't in the interview script. But now I have to ask, I mean, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? Not so much the Roman Empire, okay. but I, I, <laughs> it wasn't in the script. I, but now I'm like, okay, this guy sounds like a guy that that thinks about it often. <laughs> I I think the history is really cool, but it's not something I, I'd like to think more about. Like even way further back, you know, okay. uh, a thousand years ago is is not it's not interesting enough. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that is that's fantastic. I mean, uh, I'm in for that. I'm in for good weather. I'm sure. I'm sure. Just right off the coast of. Uh, of Rome that can't be too bad especially how good that weather was that week but um, 
As far as golf goes coming up, uh, just here at World Challenge, is that it as far as the rest of the year goes, or do you have some other events you're playing? Yeah, still quite a bit of travel. Really? Um, wow. Yeah, I uh, go back to the States, spend a few weeks there, and then I fly straight to Dubai for the uh, last tournament over there on the DP World Tour. That's right. And then I have one week off, so I'll go back to the States and then get ready for Bahamas. So we still got... Two more tournaments coming up. They've, uh, I mean, I know it's Tiger's event. The, the Hero World Challenge might as well be your event at this point, as well as you've played there. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been it's been a good run. Yeah, no, definitely. So I'll look forward to watching. Won't be there, but I kind of want to take you back, man, because like Vic, I, I've seen you just from like the college stuff, and and then obviously um, out on the professional tour, but. Back in Norway, when you were a kid, um, I read that your dad kind of got you into the game, uh, traveling to the States and, and his interest. And really, the first time you put your hands on a golf club, was it instantly that you knew, like, this? I'm a natural at this? Or was there a lot of hard work or somebody that put a lot of time into giving you, whether it be the ingredients or just the love of the game? Like, was it always, like, supernatural for you? Mm, uh well i i probably hit my first few shots when i was about four okay so I, obviously i don't remember much but i remember because obviously I, I did other sports when i was seven i started playing soccer uh that was basically all my classmates and all my friends we would just play soccer and then i also started doing taekwondo and then also golf so uh i did multiple sports and when i was 11 or 12 i was like hey dad i kind of want to I kind of want to practice during the winter months because it starts snowing. It's already getting pretty cold outside and most of the golf courses are shut down. So this would be the time of year where I would just not play golf, but I, I kind of wanted to get a little bit more serious and practice in the winter. And I just remember like I was, I was never the best at my level. Uh, mm -hmm. I was good and I had a pretty golf swing. Uh, like I think if you would have watched me, just swing on the range and hit balls as a 12 year old, you would say, Oh, that's, that's, that's a nice golf swing, but I was never the best or, or anything. I, I looked up to the guys around me, my peers, uh, they were way better than me, way more talented. It looked prettier, but what I did was just that I, I just got better every single year. And some of the, some of my friends, they were best or prodigies at the time, but their development kind of stopped a few years later, whereas I just kind of just kept practicing. I kept working on things and I got a little bit better every single year. And obviously I think you have to have some sort of talent to play the PGA tour, but I would say, I guess in my talent wasn't so much the physical, it was understanding concepts and uh, taking information and applying it to myself and then just getting better at doing it over time. And like for your golf swing, I think it's a very unique swing. I think it's one that, uh, if you told somebody to go to try to replicate or copy, I think it'd be very difficult for someone to, 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 to be able Don't to do, do it. I mean, I, I think you have you like your golf swing, I think is, one of the most efficient golf swings on the PGA tour, but I've tried to swing it myself and try to do some of the things that you do. And it's so impressive what you're able to do. And was it always that way? Were you always a guy that was like a shut face uh, golfer? Were you a player that hit a fade or 
did you have uh, an instructor give you certain tools to get you to have this unique golf swing to where that you are could be so efficient? Well, I would my my pattern used to kind of be a lot different. Uh, I, I still have some early swings of my golf swing when I was younger. Let's let's call it maybe sixteen, seventeen, or even eighteen, and I would kind of take it back way more out on the outside, wow. and my face would be significantly less shut. Um, and I would be like almost a little, not laid off at the top, but it was, it, it's definitely not the right comparison, but a little John Romish kind of takeaway. Yeah. Um, but my problem was back then is that I, I just had no depth to my arms in the backswing. So I would, I would always kind of come from the outside and hit these big cuts and I would always struggle with low point control. Sometimes I would, you know, hit a grape, but um, most of the time I would just hit it really low. And my teammates in college, they just remember my first year in school. Uh, I, I couldn't get the ball up in the air. I couldn't hit a three, three wood off the deck. Uh, now I hit it super straight just because of my release pattern, but I just couldn't get the ball up in the air. And I, I don't really like, I have had numerous coaches kind of influence me, but I, I can't, tell you how like this one advice or this one tip that I got that just changed everything. I, I guess just from, uh, you know, swinging with different clubs and playing different, uh, courses and just growing my, my swing just changed over time. And I just, I remember one thought that I had in my head, I was like, um, you know, just going back in my backswing, why would I want to try to twist the hands or roll the forearms when I can just kind of keep the face pointing straight at the ball? And I guess that's what kind of developed that weird looking uh, backswing where I have that face really shut and now my hands are really far in. But at the same time, if you look back at really old golf swings, um, there, there are a bunch of good ball strikers that, that had that, um, you know, uh, swing back in the day. Yeah. And for someone that had struggled with the golf swing, like I had, and I was somebody that was a roller of the forearm and struggled, mm. uh, to kind of hit that slap fade every now and then, but it makes perfect sense. It's just really hard to do for someone that was something that rolled this way. And when you start getting, yeah to a position at the top where your club face feels shut. It's like, all right, I've been a guy that used to have the back to the target in the downswing, but to mat like the correct matchup for a more shut face is first off, you need a shallow delivery, but you need to rotate like crap, which is something I mm -hmm. never was comfortable with, which is what you do so effectively. Yeah, it's, it, it's like, there's nothing we can argue about what's more optimal and stuff, but I mean, you you look at for example Phil Mickelson golf swing. It's it's across the line. It's long. He's got you know cup wrist yep. and moves it down that way in the downswing. You know most people wouldn't say that's optimal. But then you look at his career. He's he's won over forty times on the PJ Tour and however many majors. I mean it's it's impressive. So it's like I think you just got to go with what you have and then understand how you can uh, improve the golf swing um within certain boundaries like for example this is my golf swing shut and inside 
Like I, I'm not going to ever try to roll the forearms to make me try to hit it well. For me, I turn like crazy, as you said, and I have a bowed wrist, really shut club face. Now, my only problem is that sometimes my hands start to go a little too far away from my body in the downswing. So I don't have a lot of depth. Mm. So that's that's kind of the number one thing for me is that I got to make sure that the hands kind of stay more in coming down. And if they're there, I can just turn as hard as I can and the ball's never going left. But it's all different for people because if you try to do what I do with a completely different matchup, let's say your your face is way more open, you're just going to hit it way to the right every single time. And I, I guess it, the, the, the important thing is just understanding what you do. Yeah, and, and that's... I'm about to play golf this afternoon. And, and as you came on, I was marking up nine golf balls just in case the day didn't go as planned. So I'm going to have <laughs> that swing thought, keep it on the inside, on the downswing and rotate and just do it like Victor. <laughs> <laughs> Let me know, I guess. I will. But all right. So we talked about your teen years and one of the coolest videos that was that came from really the Ryder Cup week was shockingly your entire Ryder Cup team, your European side, listening to death metal. And did that <laughs> start in like your teen years? Or is this like a something that is that has come on in the last five years or so? Yeah, so I would say I've always liked Linkin Park. I remember just, I can't remember how old I was, yeah, but when Meteora uh, came out and Hybrid Theory, I, I just loved those albums and thought they were great but I never advanced my music tastes beyond that. And then at the time, uh, I think I was maybe 16 or yeah, I think 16. Uh, I had a Swedish coach at the time and it was early in the year in Norway. So it was too cold to practice here, but we took a road trip to Sweden because the climate is a little bit better this, that time of year. So we just spent a weekend where we practiced a little bit and he's a, just a classic Swedish metalhead. So he listened to Metallica, Iron Maiden, um, <laughs> you know, Rammstein, just like these bigger heavy metal bands. And I was like, dude, this, this is pretty cool. Uh, I like this. And I remember just coming back from the trip, I would go home and I literally went into YouTube and just typed best metal songs. And this band system of a down came up. And it was Chop Suey. I don't know if you guys have heard that song, but I'm sure a lot of the listeners oh, have. Um, and it, it started out beautiful. It was super melodic. And then they just started screaming. And I was like, damn, that's that doesn't sound very good. I don't like it. <laughs> but I came back to it. And then when I listened to it the third time, the fourth time, and the fifth time, I was, I was like, okay, I get it. I, I, I get it now. And ever since then my music taste has just kind of progressed in a more extreme uh, way since then. So is this a Scandinavian thing? Like, is, or is this, you know, I'll, I'll, there, there are a lot of Scandinavian metalheads for sure. Um, Nor Norway is kind of more famous for black metal music, which is, I I've never gotten into it. It's, it's, it's just, it's terrible. I, in my opinion, but the, the Swedes are really good at death metal and, um, you know, they, they kind of do it all progressive music. Um, yeah, the, the, there are some really, really good uh, Swedish bands. That's awesome. And, I, and I'm sure the transition going from from Norway to Stillwater, Oklahoma. I mean, first off, you're a guy that shows up. You're 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 non-American. You show up. You, you like death metal. 
I mean, what was that <laughs> translation like going from from it from Norway to Stillwater? I, I know Oklahoma State, their expectations of their golf program is very high. Were you one that had those high expectations uh, for yourself? Like, was it a, was it an instant fit in Stillwater? Yeah, I mean, I had a a goal. I, a lot of my buddies they turn pro before school, and huh. you know that was that was a very popular thing to do at the time. But I knew I just wasn't good enough, so I wanted to go to the states and play college golf and and um, and see what I could do mainly to, to get a, a, an education and also play golf on the side. And then we'll just see what happens. Uh, I was lucky to have at the time, Chris Ventura. Yeah. He was, he was at Oklahoma state at the time. And I came there for a visit. And obviously at the time I, I asked the coaches and I asked the guys on the team, but it's a lot easier when you have someone there already mm. that I can just ask questions all the time. And he, just laid it out all for me. And when I came to Stillwater, it's a small town. There's not much going on, but it was, it was perfect for me. Cause I was just basically there to, to play golf. That's what, that's what I wanted to do. And, uh, when you walk into that clubhouse at Carson Creek and you see all the trophies, you see all the, the list of names that have gone to school there. It, it's pretty inspiring. And I, I honestly, within the first hour or two, I was like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to school here. This, this, this place is awesome. Well, and you had a great career there. It was just two years and great freshman year, but talk to me about your sophomore year and how good that year was winning a national championship at home. Was it, was it cooler winning and Stillwater for a national championship for a home game or the European Ryder cup? I, obviously in terms of, the grand scheme of things, the Ryder cup is bigger and it's, it's unbelievable. And it's such an honor to win, but just emotionally, I, I'm, I was so close or I was close with a lot of the guys on the golf team and at Oklahoma state and being at home, we, we were the best team in the country and we, we had that TV show or Netflix show driven oh, that followed us. Right. Like there's, there's a lot of pressure on us to do well. And it's cool when you get to spend, you know, a year or two years, even in my case, with some of the guys on the team and you're waking up every single day and you're trying to win the national championship. Um, so it's just a it's just a different bond that um, that we have playing on the same team and to do it at home as well uh, with all the different circumstances was uh, it was nuts. I, I think it's one of the just the most fun weeks I've had, uh, in my career. I remember watching it on TV and I was thinking to myself, I was like, this seems kind of unfair. How like big of an advantage Oklahoma state has playing their home golf course and thousands of people out there just cheering for y'all's <laughs> team. But luckily, I mean, y'all beat y'all, y'all whooped up on them that, that, uh, that, that, that final day. Yeah, we, I would say we 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 had a really good team and we were going to be hard to beat regardless of where we played. Yeah. But I, I do agree with you playing Carson Creek. It's it's intimidating if you've never been there before. If you're not a great driver of the ball, it's it's an intimidating place to show up at the first time. But when you when you play there every single day, you kind of get desensitized a little bit to looking at shit on both sides. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, so yeah. And, and some of those holes, the, the greens are so soft and you can get just a crazy amount of spin on certain wedges, wow. especially with all the undulations and stuff. So 
that's where I think kind of the home course advantage um, came up. Well, uh, you eventually turned pro and you were kind of lumped into this big next big three group. And one of those being your teammates, Matthew Wolf, and then Colin Morikawa. Did you find or find yourself uh, after you had turned pro and, and being compared to these other two guys and just y'all's career trajectories? Did you ever find yourself playing the comparison game with those other two guys on trying to get off to faster starts or, or win more tournaments? Was that something that you ever really concerned you? Not really. Uh, I mean, obviously, I look at what the other guys were doing. And obviously, you see Matt wins 3M right out of the gate. Colin wins a few tournaments later. And you're like, well, shoot, I better, I better, uh, I better win soon. But uh, I mean, it just, what I was thinking, it was more, man, that is super impressive. Uh, what they've already done. Like that's just unheard of what they just both did. Uh, and I guess it, it didn't really put more pressure on me. It was more like, Hey, I, if they can do it, I believe I can do it. And I didn't really stress about it because I knew I had to do it in my own pace. The more I try to look at, um, you know, what's going on around me, I'm not going to play my best. So I had to just take control of what I could control. And Puerto Rico, it was just a, it was just a great week where I, I hit the ball well and, and um, I started making some putts. And uh, yeah, I think it was my, I can't remember, 13th or 14th start as a pro and I had one of my first one as well. And I was like, damn, what, what just kind of, what just happened? This is, uh, this is pretty wild. <laughs> yeah. I remember that, that week specifically, because I think one of the knocks on your game coming out was your short game. And that's something that you talked about after even one, just laughing about, you know, like my short game sucks. <laughs> like I just never had heard a pro actually <laughs> like speak that into words. Most of the time that, uh, we try to keep ourselves on this pedestal that we're, we're good at everything, but you, for whatever reason, like you were so comfortable with yourself and your personality just show, showed in that interview, just like, well, like my short game sucks, but I won. So it's like, I just got to keep getting better. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just true. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I, I hadn't even been on, on tour a year. I'm not going to go out there and think that, oh, I'm super established and I'm the best I can be. No, I got, I got a long ways to go and we can all get better. So it's like, uh, you just saw me chunk three chip shots in a row two hours ago. I'm not going to stand here and pretend that I'm, I'm some chipping guru. Like it's just, <laughs> it's just, it is whatever it is. To be fair, you probably only missed like four greens that week. And, and just the only time you had to chip, you just couldn't quite get it on the green. Just, you just take you a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We got there eventually. Uh, well, I think a, a nice, obviously a piece so why you had such a great year i think the the addition of joe mayo and i sent joe a text uh the other day just saying that you were going to come on the show and would love to get some uh face on some down the line stuff to where we can kind mm. of look at uh just the transformation that that you two went through and um and what y'all were able to do and we actually have some video here that we can look at the first day of First time he'd ever looked at you, laid eyes on your on your chipping, mm. and then we'll have some some stuff that's later that we're looking at here. And Let's this check is it out. Wednesday after Century, and I'm just curious when you look at this, do you see anything that's like like whoa? I can't believe it was this off. Actually, that that doesn't look that bad because I remember uh, I had sent some videos to Joe during that week. Hey, what do you what do you think about my chipping? 
and he said, okay, it, it looks fine, but let's, let's talk about it when you get to Vegas after that. Yep. Um, so this, this actually looks, I would say a lot better than it did maybe the year before. Uh, but what I will say is you can, I'm sure if you, uh, put up the, the other video as well, you, you get to see it even better, but my head is obviously, uh, staying a little bit more back. It's not moving down and forward in the backswing. And then even in the downswing is just kind of staying back there. So basically a lot of my weight is on the right mm. foot. And I'd say everything else, kind of the bigger pieces looks, looks great, but that's also, I'm chipping off of, you know, nice <laughs> bent turf, uh, you know, or dormant, uh, dormant grass. That's like not that easy to, or hard to chip off. If I can kind of lay the sod of it, it over it, and it's still going to be a fine shot. Um, so that looks, that actually looks fine, but I think we'll see a big difference with the, with the new, uh, motion. Charlie, show me the down the line video. This is still, he hasn't gotten a full, full lesson yet, but I mean, Victor, when I look mm. at this, like how, how much did you battle in your mind? It's like, all right, I'm a shut face player. This isn't typically the, the right form for chipping. You don't, you know, a lot of the great chippers have open club faces, cupped wrist and is that something that you tried to change or did you eventually figure out I can chip this way? Uh, I dabbled in trying to uh, move the face around a little bit and I could do like certain flop shots. It would, it would kind of work occasionally just rolling the face open and just slamming it down on the ground. It would, it would work. But I, I just, when I tried it, I was like, I, I just I can't do this under the highest amount of pressure. It's just, it's not, it's not, uh, consistent enough. And one thing that's kind of interesting looking down the line is that, you know, normally in the golf swing, I have the shaft pitch is very steep in the backswing. Right. And then I shallow the shaft out, uh, out in the downswing, but in the short game, you don't have enough time mm -hmm. to do that. And the, obviously the ball is, uh, is going way sh uh, shorter. So I had this steep kind of move and then I just shoot the hands out um, and it works, but it's, it's, it's a kind of a weird matchup. Um, but yeah, I just kind of thought that at a point there, I was like, well, there's gotta be something I can do. And, and when I talked to Joe and he showed me a video of Brooks Kepka, Jordan Spieth and uh, Dustin Johnson, all former number one in the worlds. And they they had a slightly flexed left wrist yeah. and there's no throwing it with the hands. It's basically just a little bow in the backswing and they just hold it throughout the swing. Like, and when that was explained to me, I was like, okay, that's, that looks awesome because that's what I feel when I would chip at my best. Cause I knew that if I start doing this stuff, I'm just going to bottom it out early every single time. So that's when I would just move the hands forward to get decent contact, but I would just hit fastballs. And that's when Joe started explaining to me uh, that I was basically too shallow into the ball. I needed to get steeper into it because then I can, if I get really steep on it, then it's easier to let this go a little bit late so I can get the loft part. But it's tough to do that if you're, if you're back here, because you got to secure uh, low point control somehow. And uh, I mean, this, uh, bunker this, too, right? Yeah, like sorry. if you're, if you're back behind in the bunker, that's, I mean, that's, that's no good. Did your bunker game immediately probably, that's probably the easiest thing that you're able to fix quickly because you're able to actually make a, a pretty good swing at it. 
Yeah, and it was uh, honestly the bunker stuff was the biggest hallelujah uh, experience I've I've had because uh, I used to I used to take so much sand in the bunker, and I just remember if I played Memorial that I won at this year, I just had no chance because I, I honestly I, I thought it was a stupid course for me to play because the it is so hard to hit fairways and it's so hard to hit greens. I can stripe it and still only hit 11 or 12 greens yeah. out there. And those, those bunkers, you're always going to be on a down slope always. and hitting downhill. Always. <laughs> and if you can't catch the ball cleanly out of the bunkers, I'm not even stopping the ball on the green when I miss the green there. So this was, was a huge thing. I mean, you can see in the backswing, my head is staying forward and just how much forward I'm moving the pelvis and that left knee is just staying bent yes. and forward. Yes. So I'm getting really close to the ball and just spinning the daylights out of it. Any great bunker player gets that weight for the left knee is bent. And they're able to throw the club face. And that that's like the one feel I have in the bunker is like somebody's holding something on the right side of my head to where I can throw the club head in the, in the downswing to where I can release it and get as much spin speed as I possibly can. Yeah. But it, but it's hard. It's hard to do that if you're not already forward. Because exactly. you can't do that if you're if you're back. Exactly. Um, all right. Let's look at. All right. Let's look at the finished product with your pitching. I want to see uh, just like as you describe it. Like this is at the Open Championship, and Joe Mayo mm. he described this as like. I mean, this is just flawless, is what he said. Yeah, and that and that turf there is obviously uh, for those of you guys that haven't been at a links course in, in, in England or Scotland, like the, the turf is very firm mm. and it's so easy if you bottom out early to get these, you know, the clunk sound and the ball just comes shooting off. And that's, it just makes it so much easier for me to exaggerate the feel of, okay, I can move. I'm trying to move my left, uh, my head out of the screen, almost in the backswing and then just let the club head just fall directly on top of the ball. And it's such a nice feeling because you know you're not going to bottom out early. And, you know, the ball's just going to come out a little lower with a lot of spin. Victor, did you ever have any issues with, like, the leading edge? Because, like, when you get that far forward and you're that steep, like, did you ever have issues with that? I know your low point's now forward, but did you ever have issues with the leading edge getting too diggy? Well, here's what Joe... Uh, how he explained it to me my wedge has six degrees of bounce yeah but we measured these shots i'm leading the shaft 15 degrees wow so where where, do, where does the bounce go it's it's no longer there all you're all you're using is the leading edge yeah but it doesn't matter when you've when uh yeah, i hit the gone. ball first yeah. the bounce is gone and what you will see is that what was really cool when we measured a couple of these shots is that I'm not really taking big divots. No. Because, uh, and this is something Joe would show me videos of Scotty Scheffler. I think he does does it the best out of anyone that I've seen, where his head is moving, I don't know how many inches, let's call it five inches in the downswing up. Yes. So he's his his club head is moving down, getting a steep angle of attack, but his head is moving up yes. and getting getting the club out of the ground, which, but it's still moving down at a steep angle. Yep. So, and that's, 
I mean, how else are you going to get the club out of the ground when the club isn't moving very fast? In the golf swing, in the full swing, I turn my chest. Mm -hmm. So that obviously gets the club out of the ground, but you don't have that luxury. You don't have enough time in the short game. And when Joe just explained this to me, it just, it, it all just started making a lot of sense. It's, and that's the crazy thing about this game is that the full swing and pitching, they're completely different sequences in how things are supposed to happen. Like with pitching, it goes club head. You want to get taller and then you're going to get some torso rotation as you get weight on that front foot. And it's, it's just the opposite with the full swing. Like we always hear start from the ground up. Like you want to start from the ground up, hip turn, and then eventually it gets into the club head where with pitching, it's just totally opposite. Like when did that like whole phenomenon like enter your head? It's like, holy crap, this is just a different, different action. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I did understand uh, understand that in the in the short game, you definitely wanted to do the opposite uh, of basically what you do in the full swing. You're trying to make the the ball go really fast in the full swing, and in the short game, you want the ball to slow down. Yes. And if you're really shallow, and you're shoving the handle forward, that's obviously closing down the spin lofts. And the ball is coming off really fast. So the, it just made sense that when, okay, if we're trying to slow this ball down, I got to get really steep on it. It was just, I knew what I had to do, but right. I didn't know how to do it, mm. if that makes sense. All right. So you start working with Joe Mayo. And when was the moment where the information or uh, was it a particular shot in tournament play earlier this year? We were like, holy crap, I have not been able to do that before. And not only that, I was able to actually trust it. Honestly, it didn't, it didn't take long. Um, I, we, he introduced the short game stuff to me Tuesday at Riviera. And I would say, obviously, the, um, what's, the, uh, what's the grass called there? Again, I, I forget. It's past bound? No. Kukuya. No, Kukuya. Kukuya. It's, it's, you know, the ball sits up pretty generously. It's not the, it's not the worst thing to, to chip off of but i just remember there uh down by uh yeah kind of between one and two uh that green down there i just started really ripping him off as soon as joe had me just kind of move my head forward and and try to slam the ball on top of the or slam the club on top of the ball and I, the ball just come up, came off really low and just started spinning like crazy <laughs> so i knew that okay this this is right like this this is how it's supposed to be done. Now, the problem was it took me time to trust how hard I needed to hit it uh, because I was used to, oh, don't hit the ground and then backing up and then kind of scooping it. And then I would just hit the ball so inconsistently. And now these balls were just shooting at the pin super low and just ripping last minute. Mm. And I just remember on number 10, I, I missed it right, of course, oh, as God. you're not supposed That's to do. <laughs> um, and I just, I walk up to the ball and it's, I don't know how we got the lie, but it's sitting up in the rough. It's, it's like one of those spinner Kukuya lies. Like, you know, you can, you can really rip it from there. Yeah. And I was like, I just told myself, okay, just trust the technique. I can do this. Even though the shot is, is really difficult. I was just trying to, hopefully get the ball on the green and just give me a four, even five would be, yeah. you know, it's acceptable. And I, I hit the 
purest shot. It came off super low and just, it had so much spin on it, but because I just wasn't used to how it was coming off, it, it, I hit it short. And because it had so much spin, it plugged in the front bunker. So then I made double from there. So it was, I would say the first month or two, it took, it took time to just trust the movement of what I was doing, how hard to hit it, Certain shots, you know, you can mess around with, okay, now I want to hit it really low. This one, I want to kind of launch a little bit. Sometimes you can, you know, now I can even hit flop shots uh, under pressure. So it's like knowing when to hit certain shots yeah. and how much to, yeah, just kind of just perfect the last few pieces of it. And that's so interesting. And what sticks out to me and and for someone that struggles in a certain area, I would imagine that you probably just had like one thing you could really only trust with your pitching that like, this is the only shot I had. But now would you say, is there any shot that you feel like you can't pull off with a wedge now around the greens? No, uh, I mean, I feel really confident in my abilities around the greens and it's, uh, you know, it's obviously still a short sample size, but I think my, my strokes gained around the greens. It used to be, whatever a little bit on the negative side and then since the pga i think i'm around 30th on tour around the greens and i just I, I, some of the shots that i'm hitting with the amount of spin i like i don't think i can hit it much better i think what what is tough sometimes is when you're moving forward and getting the steep angle of attack is the ball is launching low mm -hmm. uh and sometimes on tour you'll get the greens where they'll get really firm. Right. And uh, if you have downwind or a short pin, it's, and maybe you have a little bit of a rough lie, even in the fairway, but let's say, let's call it first cut. It's hard to, you know, cause you can still hit it shallow, launch it high with a lot of spin, but it's very hard to get the right contacts. Right. So I just, sometimes when the lies are really bad, I just lean forward a crazy amount but the to secure contact, but then the ball's coming off lower, and sometimes you don't have the luxury of bouncing the ball into the pan. That makes sense. So that's one I would say is that one's tough. And then another shot that's, that's very difficult, uh, I've gotten a lot better at it, but it's still very tough, is when the ball is sitting up really high mm. in the rough. Cause you got to be shallow. Like the U S open rough and the ball is just sitting really high up. And if the ball, you know, obviously you, you want to get close to the ball, but if, if you're moving really steep on it, you the ball is the face. It's just exactly. Yeah. So that's when I try to almost, it's the same movement, but I almost feel like my hands kind of go around me a little bit. Which more. You so out. I try to have a that way more a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shallowing move because as you said, as you saw in the down the line chipping motion, my hands go really far out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw that. And that that can get me in trouble when when it comes to that shot. So those I would say those are the most challenging shots that I'm facing around the greens. All right, Victor. Well, I've been so impressed with, you know, all of the all the improvements you've made in your short game. And uh, I went on this podcast. Uh, it was called the Loop Golf Digest podcast. This was in around the memorial, and and Charlie, why don't you set this one up for uh, for us on this one? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Victor, obviously huge credit to you. You've done a lot of amazing work this year, Joe Mayo as well, but I just, I don't think I'm doing my job as a producer here. If I don't make sure that smiley gets some form of credit for your success this year. <laughs> so I just, this is, yeah, as, as smiley noted, this is an excerpt on June 5th from golf digest, the loop podcast. Well, let, let's all listen uh, to this together. Who would you say right now, it's, I know it's really hard is the best golfer because obviously you had Rom dominating. Now you have Scotty's just consistency. And then you have Brooks showing up at these majors and just dominating. So I assume it's of those three right now, because Rory for whatever reason is just a tick off right now, but of those three guys, you know, especially as we head into the U S open, who, who would you take if you had, you know, you had to pick one going into that next major. Yeah. I think I'd probably pick Victor Hovland. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, oh. <laughs> I really, I've been high on wow. him the entire year. I just think he's continuing to get better in his short game and the stats have, have have shown that he just needs to be at a just a little bit above average. And if and we said the same thing about Scotty Scheffler, if he just puts average, right, he's going to win golf tournaments. If Victor Hovland is just a little bit above average in his in his around the green stats, then he's going to be right there. You you said that in June. What a hot take! <laughs> I mean, I was I was screaming it from the rooftops. I'd watch you at the players. I'd watch you at Bay Hill, and I felt like you could have easily won those two events. Like mm. you were right there those two those two weeks. You were hitting it great. I thought you looked confident in your short game. And then I was on the call for the Masters as well, and I had your group, and I was just sitting there watching some of the shots because I've played there. I know some of these shots. And there was a particular shot that you hit out there that I was like, holy crap, he hasn't had that shot. Like this guy is playing mm -hmm. with a lot of confidence right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. I've been, you know, Joe and I have been talking about it. And, you know, I would say the full game and the short game, everything kind of started coming together, obviously towards the last part of the season. Um, and we were we've just been talking, hey, it'd be, it'd be really cool to go back if we could and play Bay Hill again, play the players, play the masters and then, and see what would, would have happened then. Um, but obviously it's, it's a learning experience. And I would say I, I used up opportunities to learn a lot and so happy that it turned around for me at the Memorial kind of, I kind of snuck that one in there and then finished the way that I did uh, the year has been, yeah, it's been incredible, but it, it, so that just gives me a lot more confidence going into next year that, uh, okay, we can, you know, this is, this is not a fluke. I feel like we can keep going with this uh, direction. Yeah. And you heard me say it back in June. And I think a lot of people, you know, have been saying it after you just won back-to-back -back FedEx cup playoff events and you played so well at the Ryder cup, you know, how does it make you feel to be called potentially the best player in the world? Well, it's, it's very flattering. Yeah. Um, I, I, it's, I would say that yes, the, the way I've played the last couple of months, I would say, I, I believe I am, but at the same time, it's, you know, what Scotty did this year, what John Rom did and how consistent Rory's played this year. I mean, it is, I think any of us could be the best player in the world on any given week. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, it's, how much does that matter? You know, we're all really, really good when we play our best. And sometimes the other guys don't play very well, but then the next time they do. So it's just like, it's just how this game of golf works. Uh, but I'm, I'm very um, optimistic about next year and the coming years. If I can, 
you know, obviously maintain what I've done, but at the same time, keep improving as I have done every single year. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm super pumped and we'll see, we'll, we'll see how it ends up. Um, you know, there's uh, the other guys are, are playing some damn good, <laughs> yeah. good golf as well. So it's like, and, and there's a lot of luck to winning tournaments. Sometimes it just goes your way and sometimes it doesn't. So, you know, uh, all I can do is just kind of keep working and, and, and take care of business, uh, control the things that I can control. Yeah. And you do such a good job of just like putting yourself in contention. And like you said, there is an element of luck to winning golf tournaments. Sometimes, sometimes it's, it's going on a birdie barrage at the BMW championship on the back nine to go win it. And then there's other times like the tour championship where you just like play steady the entire time. You just never let anybody off the hook. So it was an incredible year winning the tour championship. And, um, I know next year you're really excited about, uh, the golf in front of you. And so am I, but we, before we go, we have got to talk about the Ryder cup. I was mm. pretty much on all of your matches that week. So I kind of got to see every single golf shot that you hit, uh, right from the get go. And, and we have, we have a clip of the first hole on the green. You get to listen to my call, which <laughs> potentially was my worst call of the week because you screwed me like you, you did because 23 <laughs> out of 24 players would have grabbed the putter on the back of that green mm. on one. I looked at it. I walked right past it. It was a putt. Like it was never in my mind, a chip. <laughs> and so, and I was like, kind of like getting situated because behind the green, there was just so many people and I'm trying to get a spot. That's like, nobody would hear me talk. And I finally get there. And then like, you're already like, you have the wedge out and you're and you're taking practice swings. I'm like, I was like, what is going on? And, and then they're like, and then said, all right, down, down to one green, Victor Hovland. Let's listen to this thing, Charlie. Back out to the first. We say hello to Smiley Kaufman. Good morning, Terry. Victor Hovland with the wedge. A little surprised he doesn't have the putter out. Very fast downhill after he's going to get over this little slope. And pull back of this green. Look at that. That's why he used the wedge. <laughs> that's why he used the wedge and i was <laughs> and listen suck it smiley i know suck it indeed <laughs> and listen there's times with with calls that i've learned it's like if if i say you know like i don't understand the play of the wedge here and then you pull off the shot it's like great that's perfect because it makes your shot look as as good as it did but the end of that call where i was trying to describe like all the things that you were having to maneuver through i was like uh, I couldn't get like all the words out in time. Cause like at that time you'd already hit the pitch. Now it's already hit into the slope. You're playing a bump. Cause I didn't know if you're going to try to like play a little like flop on the other side of it, but you hit that mm. little low spinner shot that you're talking about, which mm. all that spin where it gets on top of that hole and rolls into the hole. Yeah. So I, I asked Shay, we, uh, we walked up to the, the top of the hill that was maybe 10 feet in front of me. And I, I, I asked him, it's like, Hey, do you like, is the putter stopping here? And he's like, I, I think the best you can do with a putter here is probably 10 feet. Really? You know, wow. Six to six to 10 feet. And that's, that's kind of the feeling that I got, you know, obviously first, first hole of the Ryder cup, you, you can't, you know, it wouldn't be <laughs> yeah, bad to just nervy. take the putter right? and just yeah. lag it down there. And <laughs> I'll give Ludwig the par putt and see if he can make it. Um, but I just, I just thought that, you know, I've, I've got this shot. Um, I, I, I knew exactly, Hey, I can get this a little bit closer. If I hit this low bump that spins on top of the hill, 
because then it's going to have way less speed than the putt is going to have because it's just going to keep rolling. And the only thing that was a little difficult um, was that it was early in the morning and it was a little dewy. Yeah, yeah. Now that that had me a little worried because when it's a little wetter or a little wet, it, some moisture can get in between the face and the ball and you can lose some of that friction. Mm. The ball will pop up a little bit more and it'll have more or less spin. It'll skid so on you that, on the green too. Take a real big yeah. bounce off that hill. And next thing you know, it's that first bounce is five it's, feet short of the hole. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that had me a little bit worried, but uh, I, I just, again, my, my cue was basically, okay, just get really far forward, hit this thing really low and into the hill and it should spin a little bit. And then as I started going down there, I was like, okay, that looks good. I'll keep walking onto the side to see, you know, how it's going to go past the hole. And then it just went in and I was like, you, you got, you can't, <laughs> this can't be serious. <laughs> well, that's what I said. Cause I, I was laughing walking to the second green. I was like, well, that was a fun first call for my Ryder cup. I've never been to a Ryder cup. And my first call was like just a honestly the craziest call I had the whole week because it was it was just <laughs> something I didn't expect and uh definitely a learning experience for that one for my next call but so you're playing with Ludwig in the alternate shot uh foursomes the first both mornings and uh the second morning obviously you two played great uh winning nine and seven which I'm sure you're gonna look back on and be like holy crap that we beat Brooks Gefkin Scotty Sheffer nine and seven that was a trouncing and it was but y'all two both <laughs> played extremely well that day but the first day in the first five holes or maybe even six holes I know it's five I felt Ludwig was definitely nervous and definitely off but I sensed from you confidence and like dude hop on my back and whenever you get comfortable we're gonna I'll be right here but like the first three or four holes like it really felt like to me that that you were carrying them to an early lead did you kind of sense his nervousness and the fact that like I got to step up early to get this lead well he I, I'm sure he was nervous uh but that's that's a cool thing with him is that he he did not show it at all he is I mean he's like Henrik Stenson he's the new ice man um <laughs> he was he was so calm and yeah he probably he hit a couple of shots that I'm sure he would like to have back. Um, but you saved but him. Like that's... you were saving like the chip in on one. Then you chipped, almost chipped in on three. I mean, I think that chip was going by about 10, 15 feet. Yeah. But you almost still made it. And then you were able to keep that lead, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, I kind of look at it. Yes, it was early in the round, but then he came and really played good. Started hot, heating up and started hitting these awesome shots, started making putts. I mean, when he, when you couple his driving long and straight, and then he starts making putts, it's just, it's so much fun to watch. And I was just happy that, I, you know, I, I just thought, I just tried to put the ball on the green and it was, he, you know, he putted really my, well. my work here is done. Um, and drove it good. So yeah. that was, that was really cool. Um, but I, I think that's what's, that was really fun for me to play the foursomes is because that golf course is a little bit janky. There's a lot of stuff that can happen. And with that rough being so thick, you're going to hit some OKT shots for you're not even going to advance it on the green. And now you have to chip and putt. And that's just where I feel like I've taken such big steps the last year to where, okay, we're, we're out of position, but it's fine. I can chip the ball close and we can get some momentum. So, you know, I guess just the whole 
mindset has changed because I'm confident in those areas now. It's like, okay, I, to be honest with you, the first couple of days, I didn't, I, I hit a, you know, good in terms of strokes gain and stuff, I'm sure, but it didn't feel very good. And I was like, ah, I can't really find the center. I'm curving it a little bit more than I would like, but I know how to play with it. And I knew that, okay, my chipping and, and putting is good enough to where we can still make this work. And I think that's, that's super exciting. Well, I'm going to leave you with this question and, and you don't have to give us anything if you don't want, but if there's something that comes to your mind, uh, we'd obviously love to hear it. And I know you've had some time to reflect on the Ryder cup. Is there any story from that week, whether it was in the team room or the bus or the after party that just sticks out to you? It's like, man, I'm never going to forget this. This was either too funny or just very memorable in a, uh, in a, in a very, whatever way you want to look at it. Yeah, we, we obviously had the, had some banter going and, and the group chat was, was on fire even before the Ryder cup. And, uh, it's still been, you know, good after the fact as well. So it's like a good uh, trip, man. When, that... the, when the, when the group chat's still going a couple of weeks after, you know, like it was a great week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't have like one thing in particular, but it's just, it's just so cool that, you know, this, I wasn't quite sure how it was going to be this time around because two years ago, although we got smacked, I was on the team with guys that I had looked up to my whole life, you know, legends of European golf. Uh, they were all on that team basically. And this time around, it was, it was a brand new crew. And I think just the amount of fun that we had and, and how well we, we just, bounced off each other uh we, we just had such a great time and yeah it just exceeded all expectations I, I i don't think i don't think the Ryder cup in in rome from a european perspective could have been any better uh than it ended up to be and obviously you add the drama in there as well i think it's just it's just the best it's just the best event <laughs> it's so much fun man how excited are you for beth page i know you like still got to make the team this and that but still like that's got to be all those guys are probably just thinking get us to beth page but you've played a home one, you played an away one I, i'm sure you guys are are very excited to bring that youth movement of um, from that european team over to beth page and you've played in new york you know how crazy that place can be yeah i i can't speak for everyone else but i'm sure we you know we're really pumped um this was this was a big deal for us and we want to bring the same intensity and, and, you know, beat the U S as well in New York, but we're not, we, 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 we know that it's going to be hard. The, the fans there are going to be cheering for team U S and we're going to hear it if we hit some bad shots. Um, and I, I think it'll, it'll be a completely different challenge. And we, you know, we, we have to be ready for that. You have to, I think you've really got to be confident in yourself and your abilities to be able to handle that pressure because it's going to be completely different. So we're not underestimating um, how the, the, the U.S. team is going to be uh, in two years' time. Well, it'll be a fun one to watch. I know that. And I know that you have a lot to get to. And we thank you, Victor, for spending time on the show today. I mean, just from breaking down your short game to talking about your full swing to the entire year that you had. Just a, uh, 
just a banner year for you and, and I'm sure is going to propel you, continue to propel you to the next level and to higher heights that I'm sure that you're uh, looking forward to playing some of the, the golf's biggest stages next year. And again, thank you for your time. And I'm going to use a couple of those swing thoughts today, hoping I can just <laughs> channel a little bit of that Victor Hovland magic off the tee. But again, Victor, thank you for your time and uh, hope to have you on here again soon. Yeah, thank you guys. I've uh, I've actually watched a couple of episodes of of, of y'all earlier. Uh, My man, did you, did you did you guys actually just just start or something? It just started popping up on my YouTube, so I was like, yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, and uh, you guys have some good takes. So thanks for <laughs> uh, thanks for what you guys do. So I'm happy to come on and and uh, and shoot the shit. Yeah, see you see, folks, that is a stamp of approval from Mister Victor Hovland. And that's all we might need. We could be, we could be big time. We could be big time. Who knows at this point? (laughs) Sky's the limit. (laughs) Thanks, Vic. Love it. The Smiley Show is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcast.